For the next hour, you'll be leaving the show me state and entering the show me the money state. So stop what you're doing, grab a pen, and get ready to learn, people. Because you're tuned to the Ozarks' number one show about your money. Randy Floyd, founder of Floyd Financial Group, will be your guide for straight talk about living the life you deserve in retirement. Prepare to be empowered. Now, here's your show me the money host, Randy Floyd. Good morning and welcome to Show Me the Money with Randy and Jake Floyd, the radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to help you reach your wealth management and retirement goals through smart investing and careful planning. My name is Jeff Shade and as always, I'm just here to ask the questions, but of course, the words of wisdom and solid advice come from the experts on this radio show. That would be Randy and Jake Floyd at Floyd Financial Group. I'll start with you, Randy. How you doing this fine Saturday morning? Doing very well, Jeff. How about you? I am doing great, thank you. And Jake, how's this Saturday finding you, my friend? You know, Jeff, I'm just glad to be enjoying the warmer weather. And, uh, you know, that's not something I say very often, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I am enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm glad when spring comes. I'm glad when summer comes. But then I'm glad when fall comes too and winter comes because too much of one thing is always too much. Getting out there doing a little yard work these days and enjoying myself. But, of course, Saturday morning, this is always an opportunity for us to get together with our fine listeners here in Springfield. It's sort of like, you know, a friendly chat. We're talking about all things finances and boy, have we got a lot to talk about today to unpack. And the first one I want to touch on is this First Republic Bank failure. Was it a bailout? Now, guys, I thought we were done with this banking crisis, but it seems to be sort of like a domino effect. It just keeps coming at us. What's happening with First Republic Bank? You know, Jeff, I think uh, as much as we'd like this to be over, I think it's still kind of just beginning. Um, Hmm. First Republic Bank was the second largest bank failure in history. Wow. And basically over a weekend where the stock was trading for many, many times more than what it was trading for, they sold this company to JP Morgan for like $2 a share or something like that. Mm -hmm. And What's interesting about this, you know, is Congress was not very long ago talking about how these banks are too big and and that we need to break them up. And and then, sure enough, they lean over, they tap Mr. Jamie Dimon on the shoulder and say, hey, can you clean this mess up for us, please? (laughs) And along the way, making the largest bank larger. Even larger. Yeah, and just absolutely stealing assets here, if you ask me. Right, yeah. And, And I think that, you know, while it is necessary to quell the bank run, you know, and to quell the fear and the torch and pitchfork reaction. I do think it's a little bit disturbing how quickly we have allowed the banking system to just kind of run us over and allowed them to do what they've done. Now, again, for all the listeners out there, I want to be very clear that your deposits are safe. You do not need to be concerned about not being able to get your money, things like Mm -hmm. that. But what is probably going to happen as a result of this is that banks are going to be less likely to lend money. And so that's what the Fed has been trying to do this whole time is to dry up capital, meaning make it less likely for businesses and individuals to borrow money. And so the banking situation kind of has that effect. So whereas we may have needed to go higher on interest rates before, we may not have to go as high because the banking situation is probably worth two to four rate hikes by itself. And so the good news is on the other side of this, everything's going to be fine and we're going to, it's going to turn into a growth opportunity. But in the short term, the banks drying up capital and not loaning money is really going to put the brakes on the economy. 
So if I'm hearing you correctly, Jake, if you're looking to get a loan, it may not be as easy to do that. And if you can get a loan, it sounds like higher interest rates. So is that really the biggest takeaway from what's going on with uh, things like Silicon Valley Bank and First Republic Bank, since, as you said, our local banks are really not affected? Is that the end takeaway? Is that credit's just going to be harder to come by? I think that's probably the simplest way to say it. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of these companies are commercial banks. They're, you know, retail banks, but they're also credit card providers. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to start to see credit dry up on all those fronts. But, you know, I think this coupled with, you know, some of the things we talked about last week with the mortgage situation and the credit score situation is really going to put pressure because you're going to have less credit worthy people borrowing more money or wanting to borrow more money at a time when banks are trying to dry up capital as much as they can. And so it's going to create a very interesting dynamic that really should put the brakes on the economy pretty hard. Now, again, the economy is different than the stock market, so I'm not not calling for an imminent stock market crash or anything like that. But that will eventually affect the stock market as well. Yeah, I think one thing that, you know, Jake just pointed out there that is true is, you know, for the longest time, we've had high speculation on all business fronts and easy money policies where everybody just borrowed all the money they wanted and just kept borrowing more and kept growing more and borrowing more. It kind of sounds like our government anyway. Uh, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and just keep going and going. And now all of a sudden right. the foot is on the neck now and we're going to have to cut this off and slow it down. Nothing can grow forever. You know, if you ever think about, uh, I don't know if you ever raised tomatoes or not, Jeff, but yeah. oh, once yeah. a tomato gets so big, it splits open, yeah. falls to the ground and rots. Right. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, we have to get, the brakes on this economy. We have to get people back to where some things make sense. You just can't always pay more for everything. Housing can't appreciate 30 and 40% in five years right? and just continue to do that and think there's not going to be a day when we have a reckoning. We're going to have a reckoning. I think another thing that's kind of on the back of this and kind of a, a silver lining, if you will, is this will kill inflation. You know, a lot of people forget because we've seen the inflation running rampant for a couple of years now that the prior 15 years, we were struggling to get to 2% inflation and we were printing money left and right and Mm -hmm. keeping interest rates very low, trying to generate some inflation, not a lot of inflation, but just a little bit. And we couldn't do it. And so what's going to happen here is this is going to kill the inflation thing. And we're going to be back in that boat probably sooner than a lot of people think. We're talking with Randy Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group, and we're talking about current events in particular. We've been talking about First Republic Bank failing, what it means to us. And I think the takeaway is that credit is going to be tightening a bit, but you do not have to worry about your deposits if you have a bank account, you know, right here local in Springfield, Missouri, or any other part of the country that people are listening to us in. Jake, I understand also in current events news that the GDP is lower than expected as well. Can you comment on that? Yeah, so I mean, I think it's the beginning signs of what we've been talking about here, you know, and the Fed doing all the rate hiking that they've been doing is we're starting to see the effects of that. I think that in response to, you know, the GDP being a little bit lower and a lot of the things that we've been talking about, you know, there's this old adage, sell in May and go away. Mm Mm-hmm. And the idea of that is the seasonality of the market is you buy in late October, early November, and you sell in May. And if you'd done that over the last like 50 years, your return is like triple what it would be if you had just held the whole time. And so I think all this is aligning. GDP is coming down. Credit's tightening up. 
and this may be one of those years where selling may and go away would be uh, maybe a maybe a good thing to do. We'll have mm-hmm. to see what happens. But yeah, GDP slowing is not surprising. I think what may be a little surprising about it is that it's not slower than it is. And there's a lot of major industries that are really doing well, but there's a lot of them that are really struggling too. And and I think that as time unfolds in the next quarter or so, I think we're going to see GDP go negative. We've often said over the last couple of years on the show here that we were headed for a recession. We've been talking about that. And one of the things that we will always uh, often look back at, and I'm not sure who said this originally, but, you know, is that markets can stay unpredictable and crazy longer than you can stay solvent right yeah <laughs> and believe so, that, right. i believe that was alan greenspan right <laughs> okay mm-hmm. well I'm, I'm looking at a headline here speaking of recession it says the fed is forecasting a recession and it seems that now they're forecasting a mild recession but later this year you know there's so much controversy have we been in a recession are we in and out of recession or is the recession yet to come what's your opinion on that we're in a rolling recession. Rolling remember? recession. Okay. <laughs> That's a new term that was That's coined a, just yeah. a couple uh, ro- months ago. The rolling recession is a technical term for when you've predicted recession and it didn't happen. And then, and then you, you, you kind of just keep going. You're like, well, kick it there's down the road. a recession. Trust me, it's just, it's just not happening the way I said originally. <laughs> so the foregone conclusion, it seems, is that we're in for a recession. As you said, you know, it didn't maybe happen right now, but... Are we really looking for a recession, mild, moderate, or severe later on in the year? And again, nobody can predict this, but what's your educated opinion on that? Have we been in it? Can we expect it? And what's going to be the ramifications of that? I think from a technical standpoint, you know, we had a mini recession last year, mm-hmm. meaning unless we accept Biden's redefinition of recession, you know, two quarters of negative GDP right. is a recession. So I do think, you know, we're positive again right now, but what's going to happen here is we're going to have another one. How deep it goes is really going to depend on our response to it, but also what happens on the global stage over the next 12 months or so. We've talked about before the BRICS nations trying to kind of oust the dollar and go around us, and there's more. Pretty much all the uh, stand nations over there are now joining the bandwagon. And our response to that, our response to Russia... And probably most importantly, our response to China is really going to determine how deep it goes. Uh, Again, we've said before, but uh, for those who didn't hear, if Taiwan gets invaded, that will be a much bigger deal than I think most people are are thinking. And it will put commerce in general on hold around the globe for the duration of that setup. You know, a lot of the semiconductors, and when I say a lot, it's like over 90% of the semiconductors come out of Taiwan. Well, people are like, well, you know, so electronics, but you have to understand that that's almost everything now. Yes, yes, your computer, yes, your smartphone, but your car Mm -hmm. on average has about 1,100 semiconductors in it. And so, again, it will likely be a great buying opportunity because as soon as that gets resolved, we're going to gain back everything we lost and more. But a lot of people are saying, well, why don't we just build chips somewhere else? Well, a semiconductor plant similar to the ones in Taiwan is a is an eight to ten year setup. It's not a, I can go build it tomorrow and fix the problem. So, mm-hmm. and some of the major companies are going to India and going to Vietnam and going to some of these other countries and trying to even domesticate some of it here. But we're just not online yet. And I think if Chi is going to do this, 
this invasion, I think he's going to do it before Biden is gone because he well, knows that Biden will not do anything about it. So I think that's probably the only thing that we're kind of concerned about on the front here. Again, if it does happen, I mean, we're ready for it. Our portfolios are positioned for it. But on the other side of that is going to be an unbelievable rally to be had. And so what we really need to do is we need to elect a president with a spine that's going to stand up to some of these people. And I think if we do that here next year, mm -hmm. we can reverse a lot of the harm that's been done yep. and it'll create an environment that may be unprecedented for growth and opportunity, you know, especially with some of the advancements in AI, even though I think AI is scary, it is going to boost productivity, which we already have a lot of, but we will have a lot more of. We're talking with Randy and Jake Floyd here about current events. We've talked about the First Republic Bank failure. We've talked about GDP lower than expected. And we touched on AI a little bit there. And I want to explore that in the next segment because, Jake, it is a little scary to me, too. But if you're listening to this program, one of the things that Jake said which caught my attention is that they're designing portfolios to account for the things that we have talked about today. They're in a defensive mode here, but at the same time, they're not overlooking opportunities that may exist as a result of what's happening in the world and what's happening in the country. If you would like to have a no-cost, no-obligation financial review of your portfolio to see if you're on track for a successful retirement, an optimal retirement, we're offering it at no cost, no obligation, most importantly, no judgment for our fine listeners here to this radio program. To get yours, call 417-889-7233. 417-889-7233. Again, no cost, no obligation, no judgment. You can also request your plan online if you want. It's floydfinancialgroup.com. FloydFinancialGroup.com. Do it today. We'll take a quick break, gentlemen. We'll be right back with more of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. If you hear the word insurance, what comes to mind? Is it a company, a funny advertisement, your car in the driveway, or the roof over your family's head? I'm guessing you didn't even think about taxes. But if you could retire today and pay little to no taxes on your retirement income for the rest of your life, would you? At Floyd Financial Group, we're here to tell you there's a whole other side to insurance that you're probably not even aware of. Many wealthy investors have been using some of these sophisticated insurance products to minimize their retirement income taxes. Not everyone can qualify for these premium insurance products, so call today at 417-889-7233 to learn if it's an option for you. At Floyd Financial Group, we put our clients' interests above our own, and as an independent firm, you'll have more access to a variety of products and strategies that can help reduce or even eliminate your tax burden in retirement. One phone call could change the course of your retirement future. That number is 417-889-7233 or go online to floydfinancialgroup.com. Advisor services offered through Floyd Financial Group, LLC. Ready for a heaping helping of some more real talk? Thought so. Here's another serving of Show Me the Money with your server, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to continue in current events. We're going to talk about AI, that is artificial intelligence. And that scares me a little bit. Uh, I know that, Jake, you were scared about that, too. I mean, I've seen the movie Transformers, and I do not want that for this country. I'm just worried that, you know, artificial intelligence, it really is expanding rapidly, that it's going to just take over the world and that we're going to be slaves to artificial intelligence. So let's start there. Am I really going a little bit too far? Am I really being a little too paranoid about this? Or is there some meat to what I'm talking about? 
You know, Jeff, I don't think that you are. I think there's a lot to be concerned about there. But let's talk about it from three total points. So number one is what you talked about, the apocalyptic, uh, we make the machines, the machines decide they don't need us anymore and get rid of us kind of a thing, right? Right. And I do think that's a possibility. I think that's a much lower possibility than the other two, but the other two are still very concerning. So the next one would be, what if we build these machines and have the machines build machines and then we don't know how to work on or service or build the machines that they built? What if we forget how to build what's been built or how to service it? And you have this kind of back to the Stone Age moment where society gets so advanced and then one day we have to shut it all down for whatever reason and we don't know how to get it back because mm -hmm. the machines were doing all the work for us. I think that Elon Musk actually alluded to that the other day. And I think that's probably a much higher probability chance that something like that could happen. And then the third thing is like what's going on with Intel. So right. last week, Intel was talking about they have seven or 8,000 jobs that they need to fill, but they've decided not to fill them and use AI to do the work instead. Think about that for a minute. 8,000 jobs. 8,000 jobs. One, that's one company. Wow. And, you know, we're seeing this kind of everywhere, not just Intel. Intel's the only one talking about it, but it's happening everywhere. And I've been saying for the last couple of years that if we don't figure out the service industry, the checkers at Walmart, you know, if we don't figure out how to fix the attitude of workers in general, where, yeah. you know, again, when I used to go try to find a job when I was 16, I'd go in, I'd fill out my application. And if you actually want the job, you say, hey, because the manager have a second to speak. And if mm -hmm. it's a restaurant, you don't go at noon because he's busy. Of course. You show him respect. You go at two, three o'clock when you know he's going to have some downtime. You go, sir, I'd really appreciate this opportunity. You know, I won't let you down, sir. Not I need to be off by two every day and uh, you know, I get my hair done on Thursdays. And so I won't be until four on that day. Right. You know, and that's kind of the environment, yeah. you know, and, and I'm sure there's a lot of business owners out there chuckling right now. That's true. Because that's kind of how it is. And so if we don't fix that, what's going to happen is all these major corporations and even small business will go, how can I automate these jobs? So yeah. I don't have to right. deal with this situation. And you know, that will be largely irreversible. It'll just kill those jobs off. Right. And so I think those two scenarios from an AI standpoint, in my opinion, are more concerning than the the apocalyptic, uh, the machines take us over and kill us all kind of a thing. I don't think that that's, uh, I mean, is that possible? Anything's possible, but right. I think the other two are certainly capable of happening much sooner as well, you know, and are a threat to jobs and just our overall know-how to build things and, and program things. You were talking about the fast food industry as an example, and I understand that McDonald's has experimented with this in some markets in which it's all artificial intelligence. There's nobody live behind that speaker. You make your order, you go up and pay for it. I don't know how well that that is done, but, you know, I understand in the fast food industry, you were talking about getting a job, and I went through the same thing, Jake, and trying to get a job when I was 16 years of age. But now I understand if you show up to the interview that you probably have a 70% chance of getting that job, maybe 75%. If you can uh, answer a couple of cursory questions, you're basically basically 100% that you're going to get that job because they're hurting so much and so many people don't want jobs. And again, that's been the big question that I have. And now there's competition from artificial intelligence is that I still don't understand. And maybe some of our listeners can help us with this, but how do people get by not having a job? What's your opinion on that? I don't know, Jeff. I'll tell you what it's kind of interesting. I was just thinking of what John F. Kennedy said years ago, ask not 
what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Right. And it's kind of gotten to the point to where ask not what your Imagine that can for a do minute. for you, that but was what a... your employer can do for you. Right. And, and let's think about that for a second. That was a Democratic president <clears throat> right. saying no. that. You know, that's crazy. I mean, we have some of these rhino Republicans saying the opposite right now. Right. Mm -hmm. And for those who don't know, rhino is R-I-N-O, Republican in name only. And okay. So I'm sure most people know what that means, but just in case you don't, you know, these people that are pushing these liberal agendas under the Republican flag is, is really interesting, too. But the whole spectrum is shifted left, and let's just nationalize and socialize everything imaginable. You know, that's crazy. Back to the AI thing for a minute, you know, just in the, at the very basic level, the, the self-checkouts, right? Right. So I was in McDonald's the other day. And four Gen Zers walk in, mm -hmm. and the person was ready and available to take their order, but they all went to the kiosk and ordered their own food. Right. All four of them went to, and you know, none of them went there and, and talked to the lady. I think if they made those things a little more efficient, I might use them. Right. But right now it takes five times as long to check out with one of those kiosks as it does with the person. So like right. I want to err to the side of using the person too, because I want people to be able to keep their jobs. Well, and, of course. Yeah. And, and, and I, I appreciate customer service. You know, I think there's mm -hmm. a lot of people that are not appreciating that anymore, but I think once it's gone, they'll wish they had it. That's true. There, there was this thing the other day I saw on TV or on, I think it was on a TV show, Jake, where the, where the guy was talking about this new product and he said, and best of all, you can do it all online. You you don't have to talk to anybody. And I'm thinking that's a negative to me. You know? Well, yeah, yeah. Talk yeah. about no personality. Now we don't encourage people to talk to each other, the other, and have any sort of personality. But you know, with those uh, kiosks there, I still prefer the live person. You know, I, I until AI can have a southern accent, that'll be four twenty-seven. You drive around the first window now, honey. You know, I'm, I'm still going to work, but I try to. St I try to stay away from those as much as possible because I am watching my weight. We're talking with Randy and Jake here, Flight Financial Group. We're continuing to talk about current events and how it may affect you. Something that's come up here I want you to uh, comment on. Cox Medical Center is in the news uh, insofar as their pensions go. What's going on there? Yeah, for the uh, last uh, few months, they've been working on revamping their pension situation. And they offered a pension years ago, haven't for a number of years, but a lot of people have money sitting out there. And now it's uh, come decision time as to what people do with that money. And in fact, in fact, I think the uh, deadline is May 19th to figure out what you're going to do. Take the pension, take the lump sum, you know, and there's several ways to take the pension. The largest one is where it just pays for your lifetime. Then there's one that's like a 50% survivor to your spouse, 75 and then 100%. And people have a lot of questions about how this needs to get done and how, what they need to do. And just know this, here at Floyd Financial Group, we've helped lots of people at Cox Medical Centers uh, mm -hmm. with this thing already. And uh, we're ready, willing, and able to help people. And the good news is, is we can even help people do it online if we want to. In other words, we don't have to actually do paperwork and file a piece of paper with the Cox Medical Center. We can actually go to a website and we can help people get through that and get that done before the deadline. So uh, I would just encourage people, if you have questions about that, if you don't know what to do, give us a call. We'll be happy to visit with you about it and sit down and help you uh, make that transition. You know, you can take that money to a, an individual retirement account, or you can go ahead and take the pension. But there needs to be probably a brief discussion about what those two things mean and what the possibilities are. So I would encourage people to give us a call, 417-889-7233, 417-889-7233.
And once again, keep in mind that deadline is going to be May 19th, and that is two weeks from yesterday, today being May 6th. The 19th would be on a Friday, so time is of the essence there. Do not delay. If you've got questions about the Cox Medical Center pension plan there, call 417-889-7233. Get a consultation with Randy and Jake. doesn't cost you anything. Once again, 417-889-7233, and make that right decision. A few more minutes left in this segment. I cannot get out of current events without talking about something that's a little scary to me, and that is this debt limit fight. Can you guys explain a little bit more about what's happening there? Yeah, as most people are probably aware, we have this ridiculously huge amount of debt in this country, $31 trillion and some change. And so rather than us fixing this problem, what we always do is we just kick the can to the next meeting. And so we say, all right, the most debt we can take on is $31 trillion. So when we get to $31 trillion, the government can't spend any more money unless... Congress approves a debt limit increase. And so they're going to use that. The Republicans are trying to use that as a bargaining chip to get certain things done in the House and in the Senate. And so it becomes this game of chicken where we have a certain amount of time to get these things done and come to an agreement. Otherwise, the United States could potentially default on debt because they can't make their debt payments unless the limit is increased. And that's why a lot of people are scared about it is the the United States has never not paid a creditor since... 1789 or something right. like that. Yeah, so, that's what it is. So we have these different ratings agencies that all rate us AAA and the highest ratings possible. So there's two factors. Number one, I don't think that we're going to allow it to get close enough to not actually pay our obligations. But that might not stop different ratings agencies from downgrading our, our debt, which could potentially have implications as well. But Ultimately, I'm a little bit torn on the situation because on one hand, I really do want some of these, what's been known as the Freedom Caucus members Mm -hmm. of Congress, to push for some of these these ridiculous things to be undone that Congress has done, you know, like the 87,000 IRS agents and all that kind of thing. But at the same time, I don't want to flirt with disaster. And so hopefully cooler heads will prevail. And we've stared this in the face a couple of times. And, you know, we got over it and we moved on. And I think that this will be the same. So I don't think anybody needs to be laying awake at night thinking about this. But Janet Yellen last week came out and said that, you know, originally we thought we were going to run out of money to spend in late July. Now it's early June. And so that's what's got people kind of stirred up about it a little bit. But again, I think the average person doesn't need to worry too much about it. And we'll keep people updated on this show. And, you know, clients that are listening, you know, we can have a talk about it if you want. But there's not a whole lot we can do about it from here, except to make it known to our Congress people what we would like to have happen. And so we try not to worry too much about things we can't handle. We right. like to pray and let God worry about the things that right. he's in control of. And But at the same time, I do think that we will come to an agreement and we'll we'll get it fixed. And then we won't have to worry it again right. about it again for 9 or 12 or 15 months or something like that. Well, we're going to hope and pray for the best. But if there were a debt default, and again, I don't want to paint this doomsday image here, that may inhibit the country's ability to pay Social Security payments, right, or not? Yeah, I mean, it could inhibit the Social Security system, just people not getting their their payments. Any government workers could not get paid. Any contracts that we have, you know, bought things from other people, we would not pay them. I mean, there's there's a lot of implications there, and, and it's hard to overstate how big a deal it is. It's a very big deal. But I also think it's a very small percentage chance that we allow it to go far enough to be a problem. And so... I don't think it's time to worry just okay. 
So not to worry about things. Again, we only worry about things that we can control and it's not in our hands. But we think there's a very, very, very small chance that this is going to happen. There's going to be a debt default. You're listening to Randy and Jake of Floyd Financial Group. Again, we've been covering current events. We have really unpacked a lot of stuff on today's show, gentlemen. I'm sure that people listening to the program today have questions about their individual situation, how all this may impact them and their ability to retire on time and stay retired. If you've got questions about your your retirement portfolio. You want some answers to this and you want it with no obligation, no judgment whatsoever. Highly encourage you to call Floyd Financial Group at 417-889-7233. Get in and sit down with Randy and Jake for a brief consultation about your individual situation. Once again, there's no cost to this, no obligation, and no judgment whatsoever. 417-889-7233. You can also request your financial consultation online at floydfinancialgroup.com. That's Floyd financialgroup.com. We're going to take a really quick break, gentlemen, here on Show Me the Money. We'll be right back with more of our radio program right here on 104.1 KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. Hi, this is Randy Floyd from Floyd Financial Group. At Floyd Financial Group, we pursue excellence in the delivery of wealth and comprehensive retirement planning. We help you develop a plan to achieve specific outcomes so that you can use your life savings to make an impact you desire. We speak your language so you can clearly understand all the components of your plan. Here at Floyd Financial Group, our client relationships are at the core of everything we do. We cherish the relationships we've built with our clients over the past years, and we have earned their trust and confidence in our retirement process. Retirement should be more than about just money. It should be about the people and things that are most important to you. If you'd like to meet with us to discuss your life goals and financial opportunities, schedule a free financial review with no obligations. Our number is 417-889-7233. That's 417-889-7233. Or visit us online at floydfinancialgroup.com. That's floydfinancialgroup.com. Advisory services offered through Floyd Financial Group, LLC. If you're like most Americans, healthcare is expected to be one of your largest expenses in retirement. Healthcare costs will likely consume a large portion of your retirement budget, and you need a plan for that. The pandemic has been hard on Americans nearing and in retirement, but there are likely even more obstacles coming. It's crucial to have a comprehensive retirement plan for the future because the pandemic won't be the last retirement challenge you're going to face. Between rising health care costs and the fact that an estimated 70% of today's retirees will need long-term care at some point, overall costs could be much higher. Randy Floyd at Floyd Financial Group will work with you to create a comprehensive retirement plan that factors in these increasing expenses. Randy takes the time to to thoroughly explore your needs, no matter what stage of life you're in. Call Floyd Financial Group at 417-889-7233 and learn about their complete retirement investment strategy. That's 417-889-7233 or visit floydfinancialgroup.com. Advisor services offered through Floyd Financial Group, LLC. Ready to climb a mountain of financial know-how? Good. Because it's time for more Show Me the Money with your financial Sherpa, Randy Floyd. Welcome back, everybody. This is Randy and Jake. You're listening to Show Me the Money. And in this segment, we're going to be talking about common retirement myths that could be hurting your retirement planning. That's right, Randy. And there are quite a few recurring myths that could be hurting people's ability to plan properly for their retirement. So let's try to tackle some of these. There are 10 of them here. I don't know if we'll get to all of them. But the first one is that it is too early to start saving for retirement. I particularly hear this from young people. And it's unfortunate for a couple of reasons, because primarily it's just not true. Is it really too early to plan for retirement? No, it never is, Jeff. I mean, the thing that I think 
there's two points here that probably should be pointed out. Number one, you need to learn to pay yourself first. And what I mean by that is if you have a job that offers a 401k plan, you should be involved in that as soon as you're eligible and be doing at least what they match because free money is always good, right? right? And that also creates a habit for people early on in life that once they create that habit, and it's like this, you know, once you start funding your 401k, you won't miss the money. It'll take a month maybe or maybe two months and you won't miss it. Right. But you'll be funding something. And you've heard the old uh, adage for years, and we talk about this all the time, time and money. Well, if you start young, you have lots of time. And right. it's very hard to make up for that time on the back end. It's kind of like when people come in and they're ready to retire and we look at how much money they want to spend right out of the box. We tell people, you know, what happens early on will affect your retirement years long term. And so building your retirement, what you do and what you contribute early on will go a long ways in getting you down that road further and further. And, you know, it becomes exponential, the growth after a while, and you can really see it start to compound. And some people may be listening to this and saying, well, I'm not a young person anymore, but think about this. You've got children and maybe a lot of people have grandchildren. The financial habits that young people develop early in their careers and their lives certainly can stick with them throughout the rest of their lives. And I think that that lesson about compounding interest, it really is the eighth wonder of the world. And I think the gift that keeps on giving. So it's never too early to think about retirement. Number two is I'm going to need about 80% of my current income in retirement. I've got to chuckle about that. 80%? Are you kidding me? That's just not true, is it? No, as a general rule, that's not true. We find that most people don't want to go backwards at all. Right. The only thing that might make that different is, you know, if you have a mortgage, you're just about to pay off and maybe, you know, that's a thousand or fifteen hundred dollars a month. I mean, mortgages are all over the place these days. I see them as low as four and five hundred and as high as two and three thousand. You know, it just depends on what kind of house they have and where they're at. But right. that would be the only thing that might skew that a little bit. But for the most part, people want the same amount of money or maybe a little bit more sometimes yeah. early on so they can travel and do things, you know, they've been waiting to do for the last 30 or 40 or maybe 45 years. And people think, well, I need 80% of what I uh, made when I was working because I'm not going to work. I'm not using my car. I'm not buying clothes. I don't have lunches out. But, you know, statistics show that uh, in an average week, people spend the most money on Saturday when they're working. Well, think about this. Right. When you're retired every day, is Saturday. You've got a chance to go to the Lowe's or whatever it is or your local hardware store and peruse the tools. You were going to say something, Randy. Yeah, well, one thing we might throw out here is this. So there are a couple of things that will change. You know, we see some people that come in late in their careers. They're making more money than they've ever made in their life. I had a guy in here last week that was funding 25% of his salary to the 401k. He was maximizing that. Also, when you're working, you're paying Medicare, Medicaid, and you're also paying Social Security. So mm-hmm. there may be some things that will not require you to have quite as much as your salary looks like right now. Mm-hmm. But what we always ask people is, you know, what do you deposit in the bank every time you get paid? What's your average paycheck? Mm-hmm. That's what we're going to look at because that's what we know people are mainly spending. Yeah, and we want to avoid being a middleman between uh, our money and our creditors. And so many people, I mean, they get paid, it comes into their account, and all of it goes back out to pay creditors. So very important to get that under control early on in life. We're talking about financial myths that could be hurting your retirement planning. The next one here is, I'm not going to see a dime, Randy, from Social Security. It's going to be bankrupt. You know, um, here's what I would say about that. I think there will probably always be some sort 
of social security system or some sort of, for lack of a better word, welfare system uh, mm-hmm. that will help to prop people up. Now, UBI. Uh, yeah, universal basic income is probably going to be a thing. I think it will look much different than it does today. I do think this. I think for people, I'm going to stretch out here and and this is conjecture on my part, but people 50 and older probably don't have a lot to worry about. 55, I would think for sure, mm-hmm. uh, don't have a lot to worry about. But, you know, we're probably going to see Social Security maybe not go up as much in the future. They may adjust the cost of living on that. They may also want to means-based test it. In other words, Jeff, if you've made too much money over your lifetime and you've saved too much and you've done too well, we're going to have to penalize you for that. Wow. <laughs> okay. I don't know if I'm in agreement with that. That's like this Biden mortgage thing. I mean, we're going to penalize people who've been good stewards of their money and give it to people. I, I just, I can't go along with that one. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, so I think that this also circles back a little bit to the AI conversation, right? Yeah. If AI is going to put out of work 10, 20, 30 million people, uh, which across the country in various positions it could, if that happens, it's going to promote a need for universal basic income where you know, if you have all these people working more menial jobs and you know things where AI just kind of takes over and does it with robotics or whatever, <laughs> you, know, you can't just let those people starve, right? So I think that's probably where the biggest change in Social Security will come is instead of, you know, it'll be like instead of Medicare for all, it'll be Social Security for all. You know, mm-hmm. if you're over the age of 18, we're going to give you a paycheck or whatever. Again, I'm not saying I agree with any of that. Please understand that. But I'm just saying I think that's likely where this heads is, you know, subsidizing people to not work for the sake of productivity in some of these places. So Randy and I are not going to see a change in Social Security, but uh, Jake, for you, it may be different and certainly it'll be for uh, Trevor as well, too. We're talking about retirement myths that could derail your retirement. Next one on the list here is going to be, if I contribute to a retirement plan, my money will be all tied up. True or false? Well, I mean, you can get to it. You may have to pay a penalty to get to it. But here's what I would say about that. You know, if you're never going to save anything or put anything away for retirement, when will you ever stop working? Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what it gets down to. And so it's actually in many ways kind of good that the money is tied up and that there's penalties to get it out early because what it does is it helps people stay the course. Now, there's many ways to get money out of your 401k or your Roth 401k. Uh, If you need to get that money out of there, you can always take a loan from that. And the loan doesn't cost you anything. You'll just pay yourself back with interest. And so, you know, as people buy homes, as emergencies come up and things they don't expect, They have the ability to do that. So, you know, don't look at it as money being tied up. Look at it as, hey, I've got a stockpile of money for the future. And it's best to not uh, touch your retirement money at all. But, you know, knowing that there are some options available to you and what the consequences are really is quite empowering, I think. But the best advice is to just leave it where it is. Next one is I should automatically roll my retirement account into an IRA when I leave my company. You know, Jeff, I would say that that depends on each person's situation, how old you are when you left that company. Certainly if you're in your 20s and 30s, maybe even your 40s and maybe your early 50s, yes, that's probably the case because generally we find that 401k plans have very limited options 
for investing. Also, uh, you're not going to be getting any matching funds from your employer into that account ever again. And again, most of them are, are really chock full of mutual funds, which have a set of issues that probably we can't go into because that would be an hour discussion on its own here today. I would but, say, though, that some of it depends on your individual plan of your 401k, where yeah. there are 401ks out there that are very flexible and have lots of investment options. Some of them will even allow you to roll money out into an account that you can self-manage inside the 401k, which can definitely be a very good thing. You know, it's certainly going to have less cost than if you hire somebody else to do it. But there's a lot of considerations there. But I would say 80% of the time, that's probably correct. But you certainly don't have to, and it shouldn't be automatic. It's something you should talk with a professional about and, and see what makes sense. We're talking about retirement myths that could derail your retirement with Randy and Jake Floyd of Floyd Financial Group. And for the sake of time, gentlemen, we're going to go with one more here in this retirement myths. And uh, this one is, I should invest my retirement account in the top performing funds. You know, that's really one of those things that we see all the time, Jeff. And while that would seem like that would be exactly what you would want to do, one of the things that we know as investment advisors and watching mutual fund companies and investment managers manage money is generally when they've had a really, really great year and maybe outperform the market, 90% of them won't outperform the next year. And also the other thing to know about that is a top performing fund, depending on if it's a bond or a stock or a combination thereof or preferred stocks or, or whatever, you know, once you start chasing returns, generally the good stuff's already happened by the time, whoa, that was a good 20% return last year. It's probably not going to be the same next year. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> what we have learned over the long haul here. So there's just no one, you know, set it, forget it. And uh, today, especially with, uh, we talk about AI and how fast things move and all right. of the different things here today we've talked about. Investing is more complex and moving faster than it's ever moved before. And we know this from the recent banking crisis. Think about this. Banks that everybody thought were really great inside 30 days were dead and gone. Right. So companies that are viable today may not even be viable next month. And we're not talking about small fledgling companies. We're talking about billions and billions of dollars, uh, some of the size of these companies and hundreds of billions in some cases. So just chasing returns, I think, is the message here is probably not a good strategy. We need to know what's under the hood and what's going on with that investment. Randy and Jake, if our listeners would like to avoid these mistakes in their retirement planning, once again, highly encourage them to call 417-889-7233. Get in and sit down and get that no cost, no obligation retirement roadmap. A chance for you to sit down with Randy and Jake ask your questions, and get you on the road to retirement, a retirement in which you not only survive but thrive. We want to get you retired, and we want you to stay retired. Again, there's no cost, no obligation for this. Once again, the number 417-889-7233. You can also request your uh, place in the calendar by logging on to floydfinancialgroup.com and making your appointment from there, asking for your no cost, no obligation financial roadmap. It's 417-889-7233 or online at floydfinancialgroup.com. Time for a break. We'll be right back with the final portion of our show right here on 104.1 KSGF, where Springfield comes to talk. Did you know that most people's largest expense is their tax bill? Taxes are about a third or more of our total expenses. If you knew you could make a third more, what steps would you take? Randy Floyd and Floyd Financial Group are as serious about the tax savings they work towards as their clients return on investments. 
Poorly planned tax strategies could cost tens of thousands a year and hundreds of thousands over your lifetime. Call Floyd Financial Group at 417-889-7233 or visit floydfinancialgroup.com to find out what your life would look like with little or no taxes. You can't control the market, but there are hard and fast rules about keeping more of your money. Call them now at 417-889-7233 to find out how your retirement strategy could change by incorporating a tax strategy with an investment strategy. Call Randy Floyd and Floyd Financial Group at 417-889-7233 or visit them online at floydfinancialgroup.com. That's floydfinancialgroup.com. Ready to climb a mountain of financial know-how? Good. Because it's time for more Show Me the Money with your financial Sherpa, Randy Floyd. Welcome back to Show Me the Money. I'm Jake Floyd here with Randy Floyd. And uh, in this segment, we're going to be talking about retirement income strategies. And boy, we've got some strategies to talk about here. I want to start with the first one I've heard about this, and that is the bucket strategy. First of all, what is the bucket strategy and how many buckets should I have on hand? Good question, Jeff. And there's a couple of ways to look at this. You know, some people say that, hey, I need to have buckets of money that are timed with investment strategy. In other words, I have a bucket right now for today's income, you know, and an emergency fund bucket maybe. And then I have these buckets that are time sensitive down the road. Some people use annuities and they use CDs. They use treasuries to do this where they put buckets that are going to tap down the road as those buckets have had time to grow and replace the current income out of their bucket they're right now drawing from. So that's one bucket strategy. The other bucket strategy is we simply go out and we look at different asset classes, if you will, and many times we will divide into three buckets. One will be a market bucket. One will be what we call a RILA bucket. That's a registered index linked annuity bucket. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it'll be only the TD Ameritrade and maybe a stock and, and bond bucket. Sometimes it'll be the RILA. Sometimes it'll even have a fixed indexed annuity in there. It just depends on the need of the client and what their risk tolerance is because each of those have a vastly different risk tolerance. And so we try to balance all that out and look at the risk tolerance of the client and the income need and arrive at what those buckets are going to look like. So that's the bucket strategy. If I'm hearing you correctly, you're using basically three buckets. Let's talk about an offshoot of that. And that is called laddering. What is laddering and how do we use that? Basically, some people will use a laddering approach where they'll say, okay, I've got, I'm going to go out here and set up, you know, eight or 10 CDs that have different maturity dates. And so I will set up a, maybe a three or a five-year CD here. Maybe I'll take a 10-year CD. You know, this, this is not as common as it used to be, especially... <laughs> Right now, with the yield curve being inverted on bonds, people used to do bond laddering a lot. Right now, short-term bonds are killing it, and long-term bonds are kind of sucking wind, you know. So it really makes the traditional laddering strategy kind of difficult right now, for sure. Now, there's going to come a time where, here in the not-too-distant future, where it may make sense to take a little longer position in some bonds and CDs than it has in the recent past. I think also, Jeff, you know, when we're talking about laddering and that kind of thing, laddering is a good strategy for people with a lower risk tolerance. A laddering strategy will likely be crushed by good asset allocation and, you know, a, a moderate risk portfolio. But if you're somebody that just, and this is totally okay, if you're somebody that, that it just really stresses you out to have your retirement savings in the market, that's okay. And, and we have lots of strategies to avoid that if that's what you want and, and if your risk tolerance is low. But again, for those who have a moderate-ish risk tolerance, you know, there's strategies that probably work better and you maintain a little more control 
over your assets, not doing a laddering strategy. We're talking about retirement income strategies with Randy and Jake of Floyd Financial Group. Once again, the number to call if you've got questions, 417-889-7233. Next one here on my list is the percentage of withdrawal. And I hear about this 4% rule. I've heard that, you know, this is an old rule, but it really doesn't apply many times. So there's a couple of ways to look at this, Jeff. We can we can take a withdrawal as a percentage. And like you said, the the 4% rule is kind of the generally accepted rule of, you know, if I have $100,000, 4% of that's 4,000 a year I can take off my money and not risk depleting it. If we have proper risk management going on, we can push that number to 5, maybe 5.5% depending on your age and that kind of thing. But there's a couple of ways to take it. There's there's looking at it day one and taking that 4% and then just, just taking that 4% looking forward, the 4,000. Or we can look at it each year and say, hey, we made a little, we made 6% this year. We only took four. So now we have 102,000. So let's now take 4% of the 102,000, not 4% of the 100,000. So you get a little bit of raise built in there. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of take a little bit of a blended approach to that where we'll take our initial percentage, but then adjust it forward for inflation is kind of the way we like to do it. Because you know your lifestyle can't go backwards just because the market went backwards. You know, we're not going to say, hey, you know, the market had a bad year. So uh, now you have to take 10% less income. And by the way, things cost 10% more now. So mm-hmm. <laughs> we really want to set up the right amount of withdrawal to where we're not going to ever have to go backwards. So this 4% rule is just a general rule. And once again, it depends upon the individual, how much money you've got, what your time frame is to come up with a withdrawal plan that works for you. And as you said, this is a highly individual calculation that you need to do. Next one on the list here is create a personal pension. This is interesting. How do we go about doing that? Yeah, Jeff. So the personal pension, you know, there's several ways to get that done, but the best way to get that done truly is probably with some type of an annuity. Now there's many different types of annuity contracts out there, right? So the annuity contracts that we like to use generally give us protection to the downside, give us good upside potential, and give us some flexibility in the amount of income that we draw out of there. So the the good news about it is, so if you take a pension from work, so let's say that you've been working someplace 20, 30, 40 years, they give you a pension, they're going to say, okay, select whether you want it to to be the largest payment, just payable to you, Jeff, or do you Mm -hmm. want it to survive you and go to your spouse? Once you make that decision, it is done. It's over. You don't ever get to change it. And your lump sum of money is gone. One of the things we like to do in creating personal pensions is give people access still to have access to their lump sum money as well as get some guaranteed income. So there's lots of ways to accomplish that through annuity contracts. Many people will put what's called an income rider Mm -hmm. on the annuity contract, which I'm not really a big fan of. But if you really want solid guaranteed personal pension income, that's the way you can do it. But if I have a good performing annuity contract, that is going to actually make money, which I will tell you, there are some that will be hard-pressed to ever make much money. Uh, you need to be sure you're selecting properly and, and know the bells and whistles and know what is working to make money, how that annuity contract works. That's what we like to do here is help people understand how these annuity contracts work. I will say this, there are not very many that we recommend because most of them don't treat our client, our customers, mm-hmm. as fairly as we would like to see them treated. So we're very careful. We do our due diligence on what we do there, but we can ultimately, we can have income, 
It's guaranteed if you want. You can annuitize a contract, which we would never recommend. We call that annuicide. Uh-huh. Um, I wouldn't say never, but well, certainly 99% of the time. Yeah, 99% okay. of the time you would not want to annuitize an annuity contract. But the personal pension is something that a lot of people will set up and say, hey, this is my baseline. This is what I need to keep the wolf away from the door so that they know that they know looking forward they're always going to be able to pay their bills. And then they use the other extra money to generate their fun cash flow for trips and all that sort of thing. Yeah, the reason why I say not never is if you have an annuity contract that has a lot of appreciation, let's say you've had it out there for like 20 years, right? And this is assuming it's non-qualified money, meaning after-tax money. You can take advantage of something called the exclusion ratio by annuitizing. And so what that means is with annuities, normally, if you put 100000 in, now it's worth 300000 and you take, let's say, a $10,000 withdrawal, 100% of that money is taxable because it's last in, first out. If you annuitize that annuity, what happens is that they blend the two together, and part of that payment is taxable, and part of that payment is not taxable. And so that's called the exclusion ratio. And again, very rare that we see that situation because most people have never made any money in their annuity because most of the annuities are bad. And again, there's a handful that we like, but certainly if you've had a variable annuity out there for... 20 years and you're paying 4% expense load, you're not going to have made enough money to have that problem. So again, we're, we're very picky about the ones we use. There are some good ones, but I just wanted to explain why I said not, not to never oh, uh, annuitize, but Randy is right. 99% of the time, it's, like he said, committing a new aside. Yeah, and one additional thing that should be clarified here. If you have a pension, generally pensions are set up and paid by annuities. It's just that what we like Rather than giving up the lump sum and only ever having access to that monthly payment, we like to you know, give people the opportunity to have their lump sum, their cake, and eat it too. And you can mm-hmm. have that by using a properly structured RILA or FIA to accomplish that. We're talking about retirement income strategies with Randy and Jake of Floyd Financial Group. We've talked about having retirement buckets, also what laddering is, the percentage of uh, money that you can withdraw. We did sort of say 4% is not a hard and fast rule. It just depends upon you. And we've been talking about creating a personal pension. There are so many ways to create retirement income strategies, and we've only touched on a few of them here. In the interest of uh, time here, we're not going to be able to get to all of them. But if you have questions about this and you're thinking to yourself, boy, I really would like to create a retirement income strategy that will last as long as I live. The Really, the thing you don't want to do is to run out of money in retirement. That is such a huge fear. If you're worried about that, get in and sit down with Randy and Jacob Floyd Financial Group and talk about your individual situation. Once again, there's no cost, there's no obligation for this consultation whatsoever, and most importantly, no judgment. Call 417-889-7233 to get your complimentary review. 417-889-7233. You can also request it online at floydfinancialgroup.com. It's floydfinancialgroup.com. Well, gentlemen, we just get started, then we run out of time. I want to thank you for your time, but most importantly, I want to thank the fine people here, the last bastion of sanity, Springfield, Missouri, for joining us. For Randy and Jake, I'm Jeff Shade. Get out, have a great weekend in this great part of the country that we live in. We'll talk to you again next week with another edition of Show Me the Money right here on 104.1 KSG where Springfield comes to talk.